Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Pod Has Spoken. And this season of Survivor is just building and building and building. Riley, do you disagree with me when I say this is the best episode of the season so far? Absolutely, I do not disagree. This was the best episode of the season so far. How many fire tokens do you give it? And is that a thing <laughs> we should start doing? How many fire tokens? Uh, yeah. F- five out of five fire tokens, maybe? If we're going to do okay, it out five of five? For, five out of five? For this you're, season, you're, yeah. For, for I think the new era. If, okay. Can I grade on a curve? So, do I have- yeah, no, we need you to grade on a curve. I need, so five out of five for the season. For the new era, also a five out of five. I think so. Yeah. And for the uh, overall series I- in general, maybe like four and a half out of five. I don't know. I feel like I'm a hard grader normally on things. I really like this episode. This was a great episode. I also like liked it a lot. And we have a very, very special guest. Another one that I had planned on having on the podcast so long ago, but he's one of the hardest working men in showbiz. Uh, I can say that. I don't know that he would say that about himself, but I'm like looking through his Wikipedia, like, okay, I want to make sure I get everything right in here. He does it all. He acts, he sings, he does voiceover, and it's like never ending. Like all these projects that I'm looking on Wikipedia are open still, you know, in the present. It's got like 15 jobs. Save some jobs for the rest of us. (laughs) It is Scott Porter of Friday Night Lights, Ginny and Georgia, everything in between. What's up, Scott? What's up, y'all? Man, I, I feel like that was a very generous grade you're giving this ep- episode of the overall uh, lexicon really? of, of Survivor. Ooh. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yes, I hustle. I hustle. Just like you hustle for votes on the island, I hustle for, for jobs out here in the real world. I got two kids. I, I, I got bills to pay. So, you know, we yeah. keep working. Kids, kids, uh, and Riley won't know this because he doesn't have kids. He's about to get married here. Uh, I think our invitations are, are in the mail. <laughs> kids are ex- an expen- exponential expense. I didn't realize that when I had kids at first. I was like, why is having one child 30 times more expensive than me just paying for myself to live. Do you know why that is or how that works? Yeah, because they grow and then they consume more and then they consume <laughs> okay. more and then they need more and then they need a car and you have education and you have to drive them everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, having two of them is is even more fun because I have two drop-ups and two pickups right now. Sometimes my son gets out of school early because LAUSD decides, hey, today... We're going to let your kids go home an hour and 15 minutes early. I, I don't know how. And there's no, there's no buses where, at the school that my kid goes to. I'm in studio. Okay. And, and so it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, a, a parent has to be able to get there, <laughs> pick up and drop off. And yeah, they just, it's, it's really primarily expensive because they grow. If you could keep okay. them just babies, then, you know, they would just be cute. It would be a flat, yeah, flat cost. Yeah, pretty, yeah. You'd know year over year. Here's here's the hit we're taking, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, you never know what's coming next. And if they want to get into sports, or you know, my son is saving oh, up to buy man. a switch. He's he's going to be eight in May, and he's like, okay. "Can I have a switch?" And we're like, "No." And he's like, "Can I save up money to buy a switch?" And we're like, "Yes, yes, you can." Yeah, they're just kids are expensive, bro. That's it. Yeah, they really are. I gave my daughter a hundred dollar bill on her birthday two years ago, and I said. You keep this $100 till your next birthday without spending any of it. And I'll give you $200 on your next birthday. And we'll continue that until you have decided to spend it. Uh, I never have had to give her another $100 bill. That's the only one I've ever, I've ever given to her. What'd she do with it? She didn't even make it to year one, huh? <laughs> she, she didn't even no. make it to year one. <laughs> she, she was very close. She just likes to buy toys, man. And you go to Target and there's one thing there and she's like, I have to get it. Uh, Anyways, we are deviating a little bit. (laughs) The connection here, Scott, with you and I and Survivor in general, I know that you've talked with uh, Rob Sester and you know on his uh, shows multiple times. But a few years ago, I noticed Sarah Lampert, who uh, created the show Ginny and Georgia, uh, started following me on all social media platforms. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the exact time we started this podcast. So I was like, oh, she would be fun to have. It looks like she's got some cool stuff going on. And then she said that the cast of Ginny and Georgia regularly has survivor viewing parties. And you're the host of these parties. That's correct. Yes. I, uh, I went up there. I spread the gospel of Survivor far and wide. On, uh, every, Thank you for your service. Every show I work on. Uh, and I don't even call it a reality show. I say it's the greatest game show ever created. I mean, w- there's a million dollars on the line. And I, I like to separate it from other reality television. And, and I tell people this and they start going, oh, really? Really? I, I just don't watch reality TV. It, 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 the, the actors can be so strange. You know, there's some actors who like to say, I don't really watch television. I only watch film. Or, or if they like to watch good television, they'll be like, well, I don't really like to watch reality television. I'm like, guys, this is all forms of entertainment. Can we stop with the gatekeeping of like uh-huh. what is entertaining and what is not? And I'll, I'll get them with that hook. And I'll be like, yeah, you should come over. You should watch. And then, yeah, we, we do like watch parties. I'll, I'll cook and everything. People will come over. And and uh, I haven't been able to fire up a, a Survivor League 
in Ginny and Georgia, but I've been in Survivor Leagues before with uh, cast members or now I'm in a big one that's just like LA entertainment industry. There's like 80 of us in this thing. So it's, it's a lot of fun. The most surprising is how many actors and actresses recognize me like if I'm like at, in Park City during the film festival or if I'm in LA dirt for something. And I was like, my, my take has always been like acting is their job. So why do they want to watch someone else do the job that they also do? And so for me, I always took it as like, this is like more of an escape from the realities of your workday to watch reality TV. Is that like a wrong take or is there something to that? I think people in this business are pretty highly competitive. And I think we like, I, I don't know, like it's for me, what draws me to Survivor is, you know, I, I'm doing the same thing in my job, man. I'm, I'm going into a room and trying to convince a bunch of people that I'm the right person for this thing. When there's probably clearly hundreds of better people for this thing than me, <laughs> you know? Like the talent out there That's in, very this, humble, is, yeah. in this world is insane. And so it's really just like, you know, watching Survivor to me is, is just watching the competition of it all. But also, you know, actors are really big on saying, oh, we want to see honesty. You know, you, you want to be the most honest. You want to deliver the most honest performance. Well, I've seen some players go out and try and act as though they're something different than they are. But this game seems to, and, and I don't know if I'm 100% correct, but after a certain point, you can no longer just be putting up a front or acting like you are something that you're not. And on some other shows that are similar to this, uh, where the environment is, is less harsh, some people can just get away with playing this, this role that they've created for themselves to maybe you know get away with it. But I feel like on Survivor, you can't. Eventually, you see people as they truly are. And I think that's really interesting to watch too. It's the honesty of it all, I think. Yeah, I know I agree with that 100%. I think I've said many, many times, one of the draws of actually playing Survivor is getting a front row seat to watching someone who's pretending to be someone else accidentally drop their mask. It always happens and it's so much fun. Let's get into the episode. Episode 11 of the season. We're only a couple episodes away from the finale. Carolyn is pissed at Jam Jam and Carson <laughs> and not hiding it at all. And this is part of it. Like, this is very, very honest. But is it like, is this good for Carolyn to go back so upset, so angry? Because I think that, yeah, I think that it, de it depends on the person here. I know if I were to go back and be angry at anything anybody did, that would not be good for my game. Yeah, I think for Carolyn, I think there's been enough said about she is just who she is. She doesn't have the ability to filter a lot of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and she's even said it herself. What she's been through in her life has put her in a place where she just is not capable of just, uh, you know, putting up a front uh, with all this stuff. And she sifts through it all. But the fact that she's been honest about this since the beginning, like if Carolyn would have showed up on the island and acted like you said earlier, like, I'm this super nice Zen lady. I've got all the wisdom in the world having gone through. No, she's like, she's like, I've been through it and I'm still figuring it out. And so be patient with me because this is who I'm going to be. I mean, she's been crazy since episode one, like in, in, yeah. in like the most honest <laughs> Carolyn way. When I say crazy, I don't want that to be taken as, you know, me saying that she's, you know, insane in a bad way, but she is kooky. She's just who she is. So I, I think Carson and James, I think everybody knew what was going to be coming. I think I, we, yeah. we heard Lauren say, oh, I feel bad for them. Well, come on. Like she's, <laughs> it is what it and And I think it's helped her in this game. I, I think it set her up for people to be like, hey, 
she's a wild card, but she's still somebody I think I can beat. And it's helping her stick around, you know? Uh, <laughs> me, personally, I have a vested interest in Carolyn stick around because she is my survivor Ooh. this year in my Survivor League. But how, so in your Survivor League, how many people are you choosing from a season? You only get one. And then you, you... So Carolyn's your only one. She's my sole survivor. And it's weighted... From before episode one. Yes. Before episode one. Woo. Yeah. So that we split our league up into rounds of, of 18 to, you know, to draft your survivor. And if you're at the end of the line, you could be left holding the bag. And, and it's pretty obvious you might go home early. But uh, this year, I had, I had picked seven. And uh, the two survivors I wanted went right before me. And she was, she was in my top three. So I, I just... I loved her story. Moms are tough as nails. Everything that she's been through, uh, I didn't. I thought she'd be a little more even keeled, <laughs> but yeah. But it has been the most entertaining season for me to like root for my survivor. You know, even when I, I won the league a couple of years ago, having picked Erica, but I had I was a bottom four pick that year, and I kind of lucked into having the winner. And of course, you get points for other things. But yeah, Carolyn, it has been a roller coaster, and I've loved every second of it. And I think she was right to come back and say, "Look, I'm pissed," and and yeah. why not? Yeah, she was very mad. And I think my favorite part of that whole exchange was when she said to Jam Jam, I would never do that to you. And Jam Jam said, you did do that to me. And she said, only once. And you should be over it. (laughs) And you should be over it. Yeah. Pretty phenomenal. (laughs) It's so amazing. (laughs) I I was like, it's so amazing. Uh, And She's still like, I think there was part of her that like recognized the ridiculousness of it, but also did not care. Um, the second part of this opening is Danny hunting down who voted for him. Mm-hmm. You're out there on the island, Scott. You're having a great time. You think you're in control. And then somebody writes your name down one time. How aggro are you about to get? Are you going back? Are you searching it out, sniffing it out? Are you just laying low? What What is your... What is your strategy here? Yeah, you know, Danny's initial reaction, we got to go back an episode or two when when he first got his first vote for him. And his yeah. reaction and and Tribal, I think, told you everything you need to know going forward. He was like, oh, ooh, really scared. Oh, I got this one <laughs> vote. But yeah, that little, that little act of confidence there very quickly eroded as he's just like, I need to know who voted for me. I need to know who voted for me. I mean, Heidi's, you know, Heidi's in the same boat as him. She's been catching votes too, but you don't see her freaking out. Yeah. But what I love about this season is when he finally, someone comes up to him and tells him the actual honest truth, he doesn't believe it. it well, let's go to it, that. So Jam Jam and Tika, their idea is, because Heidi's trying to hide it. It's so beautiful that it's Heidi, his closest ally that actually wrote his name down. Now she's trying to lie to him. And they're like, oh, we know who did it. Let's tell him. And then it will pit them against each other. It's... It didn't work. It didn't. It's the people on this island are incapable of sifting through all the mess and finding honesty. When Jamie admitted my fake idol, well, she didn't know it was fake, but my fake idol walked off the island with Kane. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, you had an idol. Oh yeah. I, I rarely do I think about like the cast that's watching this back, like as a group think, how often are they all just so wrong? Like all at once. Like, what are they doing the night that you're watching that episode? And you're like, holy crap. She actually yeah. did have an idol and actually walked up there. Oh, we're idiots. Like, we're we're all idiots in this moment. But I mean, I think that's the... There's a lot of people that think they're in control of this game this season. And uh, yeah. 
I think there's only really one who is. Uh, Jamie has thought she was in control at points. She's never really been in control. I mean, Carson is, you know, has been there, but Danny thought he was in control and that's why he freaked out and then couldn't even admit like, oh, wait, could it be Heidi? What? I don't understand. Well, I thought part of it because I I honestly, at first when I saw that and I saw Danny approach Heidi and they had this like real like civil conversation and then Danny was like, it doesn't make sense to me why Heidi would vote for me. And then even later on during tribal council, Danny again says like, he trusts the people who's who need what he needs. And that's true with Survivor. You look at somebody and you're like, okay, what does Scott need here? What does he want? And how can he advance? And how can I make that akin to myself so that we can align? And then I have to sell you on it. And so Danny, I think, is doing all of those things here. And he cannot come to terms with any reason that Heidi would write his name down. It's Occam's razor. It is very simply, if you are in a twosome and everyone knows you're in a twosome, how do you gain the most value at the end of the game sitting in front of jury? You flip on the other half of your twosome to show how ready and willing you are to make big moves to win the game. And somehow Danny, who said so many great nuggets of wisdom this season and was yeah. had that really great like kind of New England kind of line of thought, like, you know, hard edge, blue collar guy, like, and I, I, I can, I can take people at face value. I can understand who they are by just by looking at them, like that kind of sense about him just missed the most obvious thing. Why doesn't yeah. it make sense? It, because it makes more sense than any other thing that people are telling you. It's like your biggest ally needs to flip and make a big move. That's how we win yeah. in Survivor p- uh, post season 40. We wait until the very end, and then we flip and make one big move, and then we win. You know, but I'm just watching yeah. the game from here. What do you think? Like, why do you think Danny couldn't see that for one particular option? I mean, some part of you doesn't want to sometimes because, like, if Heidi's like his number one and it's all he really feels he can believe in, there's a part of it's like it's like Santa Claus. It's like the moment you don't like somebody tells you Santa Claus isn't real, and you're like, oh yeah, none of it really makes sense now that I'm like really pressed to think about it but how could it not be and if it's not like then what so like i think that it's like you have to have hope and you have to believe in something and if that like one thing is kind of like questioned or even you know you you give it the benefit of the doubt when you shouldn't i think danny's move here is he needed to interrogate more people and in a trickier way like he needed to go to somebody and be like hey did you hear that heidi wrote my name down and be like, yo, yeah, and like he could trick people into admitting that Heidi had written his name down. And I think it would have been relatively easy. And uh, I think he just wasn't doing his homework because you, you get complacent almost subconsciously knowing that it's to a fault, but just hoping and keeping your fingers crossed. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Let's go to the meditation circle. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I just... Oh, no. <laughs> I just, there is so much value and so much worth in, in this it, it, as, as a whole. And I love it. But it seems like every season Survivor now is like, we have to have a couple of yogis on the island. We've got to have a couple of folks out there who can really just like stretch in the morning with everyone. 
because we really want this sense of community. It's just, it's one of those things now that like I do kind of eye roll every time they're sitting in a meditation circle. Cause it's like the first couple of times it was like really touching. Oh, this is really cool that they can be there for each other and supportive in a game where they're trying to, you know, cut each other's throats for a million dollars. But it's also the fact that like Jamie, Jamie, I have, I have thought Jamie was going home a number of times this season. They're setting it up for us every like four or five episodes where she just laughs hysterically at how great she is at the game while being completely wrong. Yes. <laughs> and so it, it happened again this episode. And she's I love this game. I'm so like laughing at the camera, like at how great she is. I mean, it's just it's it's at tribal council. It, it's look, have balance in your life, right? I feel like Jamie like somehow is lacking the balance in the game of like being able to see other people's moves because she's on this vision quest on the island. I mean, what she literally says to tribal council, like the vision I had yeah, and the roles that people will play today in the, in the plan that we have laid out. And I'm just like, why? Well, even Jeff kind of, you know, <laughs> took a little eye roll to that. I was like, huh? I, I do think that, and, and you having played the game, you know, and me having just watched it, uh, I just, it does seem like people know way more about each other and are way more welcoming of e- each other and their journeys and all of these things and uh, and like the well, modern you have survivor. to be sympathetic. Yeah, you have to be sympathetic for all of it. But keep going, keep going with what with your idea. Well, I'm just I'm not so sure that it was like it was that way back in the day. Like I think as soon as you showed like a part of your journey that could be used to like as a chip to win you a million dollars, well, yeah, you're gonna have to go home and like people were guarded a little bit. I think in older Survivor. I think now everybody just lays everything out on the table. I mean, well, there's a balance still. And I don't know what the balance is now in Modern Survivor. I haven't been out there. But you have to open up enough that people think you're a decent person, that people can see that you're connecting with them. So like you and I out on the island, let's connect over fatherhood. I have two kids too. You know, let's, uh, how how old are they? Oh, they're roughly the same age. That's great. That's fantastic. Like we do this for our, like you have to open up enough but there was a point where if you opened up too much and then betrayed somebody, they felt extra betrayed. Right. So like you, you have to find that balance and measure. And here also like the meditation circle, do you meditate in real life? Do you do stuff like this, Scott? I have before. Um, meditation's always been tricky for me. Float tanks, deprivation tanks are like, but that's like high isolation. Like yeah. I think is, is where I felt what people say that state is. And I think I probably could try a little harder, but uh, but I know plenty of people that are like me that like they can't seem to unlock it, you know. So like when I'm watching yeah. these things, I'm like, how many people there are actually? <laughs> well, that's the thing. How many are acting there? Because yeah. you can't be like, you can't have like a group of people on Survivor, and one of them's like, hey guys, I'm running a meditation down by the ocean. You guys should all join me. And then two people are like, we'll come. And then you're like laying there trying to sleep still. And you're like, ah, this shit again. I got to like go to the meditation pretend. circle. I got to pretend that I also <laughs> am like in tune and land. Then I got to do my thing. Like, and, and it's all for like, not everybody's in this circle to further themselves in the game. But I can guarantee you there's a couple people there who in their mind are like, this is bullshit. Also, they talk later in the episode about how open everybody was and people were saying like they appreciate their journey and they love them and this and that. How much of that is being open and how much of that is measured strategy? Because I'm sitting there 
And all of a sudden, we go around the trust circle and everybody said something. It's like at Thanksgiving dinner where everybody has to go around and say the thing you're thankful for. And you're the last person to go and everything's been said and you can't say the same thing, but you can't say nothing because you'll be judged then. So you have to pull something out of your ass to say anything and hope that the audience at the table is okay enough and it's passable. And you can't say, and then you try, you can't say also, like you can't, you can't yeah. like piggyback on yeah. anybody else. You, you can't say dinner rolls. Like I'm, I'm yeah, thankful exactly. Shit, man, for the, the dinner rolls. They're amazing. Like, no, you've got to, yeah, it's tough. You got to come up with something. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been an interesting, uh, as journey as like a fan of watching the show, like just that transformation from like, People just letting their like closest allies. And it, this used to actually be a, a part of the game. There used to be actually, for, for fans who haven't watched like the whole time, there used to be like a challenge where you would have to answer questions about your tribe mates and you could win reward, like kick ass food yeah. or like whatever at night in the show, like whatever, just by knowing stuff about your tribe mates. But I feel like they're like, Everybody shares everything now. There's a, there's no challenge in that any longer. Yeah, and, and that is true. I think the first time I went out on the show, I purposely was like, try to get to know people as intimately as possible for if this challenge shows up, I want to be able to like win the trivia about my, my uh, tribe mates. But now, yeah, you're right. Everybody does know everything about everybody. Uh, we get this Heidi flashback uh, from coming from Puerto Rico to becoming an electrical engineer. Beautiful story. How convinced were you that Heidi was going home tonight after that? Uh, this is actually something I've been tracking to see. I don't think people have been going home with it. It's like used to be like if you got a package like that in the beginning of the episode, it's kind of kiss of death. You were at. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> well, goodbye, Heidi. Uh, but this season hasn't been that way really at all. And I think uh, early on, Carolyn got one like very, like pretty early. Uh, Carson's had one, but not everybody there has had one, right? We haven't seen. Right. We never saw Danny's. Like, no, we did. Oh, we, we did, did get see, one from Danny. We got Danny's yeah, package. a quick one of his wife and his kid. I think. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's it's. I wasn't too worried about Heidi going home. Uh, my biggest decision this week, leading into the episode, was is it Danny or Jam Jam? I thought like the levy was going to break between. I, I felt like Danny was getting ready, getting geared up to rally the troops and say, "Look, these three. Uh, unless we break them now, you're never going to break them." Yeah. Jam Jam's name didn't really come up all that much. I was Carson was a very smart avenue to go down, but well, Jam Jam won immunity. They were yeah, planning right. pre-immunity to go Jam Jam. So that was like my biggest thing. Carson was, you know, Carson ended up being safe for many reasons. We'll get to that at the end of the episode, but yeah, but yeah, I I did ultimately go with Danny because I just his reaction to episodes ago, like his arrogance in that tribal council where he received his first vote and he was like, "Ooh, so scared." Uh, I thought maybe he he had a a larger sense of himself in the game than maybe he actually was holding at the time. But you know they did need to break Tika up, so they they did. They definitely did. Danny was onto it, and he had kind of put the wheels in motion. Uh, talking with, I think he was talking with uh, Lauren and Jamie, and or Lauren initially, and was like, "Hey, this Tika group is going to take control, and we're kind of sitting in this equal position now." we need to come together or else it's going to be over for us. And I thought that was really, it was fairly smart of Danny. Like, yeah. you know, it's still kind of obvious to us, the viewers especially. But the fact that he kind of got it going, it seemed, and they were going to put uh, Jam Jam 
it was Jam Jam. They were they looked at the three and they said, who's going to be the hardest one to beat in the end? Danny was, you know, kind of flip flopping between Carson and Jam Jam. Why didn't this work out for Danny? That's like the big question, right? I mean, it, it would be easy for Danny to say, oh, well, we never expected Carolyn to have an idol and that sent me home. But that didn't matter. It didn't matter. Because Carson, it, yeah. It, it was, but there's so much we don't see now. And this is the other thing, like, and, and I don't know how much more we were privy to back in the day, but it felt like we knew all plans at play along, uh, you know, a, a decade ago in this game. As a, they blindside as, us yes, sometimes now. As a fan. Yeah. Um, but the way this this vote went tonight, I was so excited for Carolyn to play that idol <laughs> and just be the big hero in the moment. And then Danny still got three votes. So, you know, very quickly you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. So they got to so Carson or Jam Jam or Karen, somebody got to Lauren and Jamie and talk to them and mm-hmm. So it's like, it seemed like such an odd, they really bought in editing wise to this Carolyn playing the idol, Carolyn sniffing out the Carson plan. And maybe that is what set all the gears in motion. She sniffs it out. She tells Carson and then Carson can act, right? So maybe it is still Carolyn's big hero moment. The idol didn't mean anything though. And I was so bummed. I was like, dang it. Because in, yeah. in today's survivor economy, with so many challenges and I mean, so many, you know, idols and extra votes and all of these things at play, keeping it secret. And this is Heidi's like big, big thing right now is she has an idol. No one knows. Right. And Carolyn did the same thing. And that can be really, really powerful, but you still have to use it at the right time. And I was, ah, it was such a bummer that, that the plan just flipped on Danny in the first place. And, uh, but those, you got to give it to the Tika three because they are, you know, my, look, I have a very, unpopular opinion when it comes to like favorite season of all time. I love Cook Islands. Like I think maybe more than most, if we can get past the first two episodes, if we can just pretend that the first two episodes of Cook Islands never existed and just watch the rest of Cook Islands. Okay. Because it's one of the old, it's one of the old seasons that has kind of the feel of a new season and where you don't know what advantages are coming, right? The idol pops up, Exile Island pops up, but you have this very small group, you know, who comes into a merge seemingly dead in the water and then just has been able to, they've destroyed this game, the Tika 3 post-merge yeah. as far as where I'm sitting, like watching this. So uh, that's the one thing that's missing though. The idle play and Cook Islands was was extremely, extremely well done. And I think Carolyn just kind of was, willy-nilly. It was, a, it was a different idol though. It was, yeah. uh, you could read it, you could play it after the votes were read in the Cook Islands. Yes. Super idol. So 100%. It was a super idle. 100%. Yeah. But the way it was utilized was not to be kept secret. It was to bring Penner on to the side of, of them yeah. and get these yep. votes to switch around and all this stuff. Strong arm people. And even if they, I mean, you know, but, but Carolyn kept it quiet for so long. And then it was just a bummer to see her play it when it didn't need to be played. I saw her do the math in the voting booth where she was counting on her fingers forever and like, it didn't seem like she kept she kept forgetting whatever was going on or she was yeah. counting every direction the votes could play out or something. Yeah. And then she sat there and didn't play it and didn't play it. And then she played it. And I was like, yes. And then after the votes came out, I was like, duh. So it, she would have looked so awesome had she held on to it. Yeah. And for that reason, for that reason, I have a hard time giving it a 4.5 or a five out of like for this because it ended up like the big hero moment ended up 
falling completely flat for me because it wasn't actually like a heroic moment of somebody saving someone else. It was. That's true. Yeah. You've convinced me. I'm going to say four out of five now. Okay. Four out of five. (laughs) It's still a pretty good episode. I think we got some good uh, character building moments and we got like a few really good Jam Jam moments. And so I I like these episodes where you learn more about the players and and whatnot. And I I think this was like a a really good episode for that. Did Riley, have I missed anything leading up to the challenge? We're about to jump into the challenge here. Uh, Well, like Carolyn found like a, a lobster shell. Lobster. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. She wants to be one with the yeah, lobster. She went and go out. She went and became a mermaid. No, can we talk about her 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 <laughs> crab her crab witch finger? I felt like I was like yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> watching the Macbeth. Like I was like, she's like one of the one of the three witches from Macbeth all of yeah. a sudden, you know. Well, ah. She's got this little and she's just like, it's so far away. She already has very long fingers, like just as yeah. like a human being. Like to put that little claw with that huge claw, like crab nail on it. She just scratching herself from three feet away. I was like, this is is why I love Carolyn. Like nobody else is out there. Like everybody's just, uh, I think afraid to look too, too, you know, different. And she's just not, she doesn't care. And I love that about her. Yeah, it is true. Cause you, you do go out there and you think, okay, everybody's going to see this. Everybody's going to see the things that I'm doing on TV. And so you do have like this, self-awareness so to speak but then also like production does a pretty good job at having you forget that they make you feel very comfortable the cameras are pretty much out of your way even though you can feel them right there next to your face they're just like it and you do forget some of that stuff and part of that is like being out there with all these other humans and and we're all in this thing together and carolyn has been able to do that very very well or Maybe Carolyn is playing a character and she's a no totally <laughs> different person outside of this thing. No way. I mean, if <laughs> she's not, I, I follow her on social media. She's the same. But <laughs> wouldn't that be a trip? Coming into the game, though, I did think she was a little bit of a different person than uh, individual than she is in the game. You know, it seemed very much like life coach, been through it, has it all like all the ducks in a row now. And, and what she is, is, is just this beautiful like messy version of that like i've been through it so i understand what you're going through and i'm still i'm still messy i'm a human being i'm messy like and that's that's what i love about it it's like yeah i i wasn't sure what i was signing up for and and i would much prefer this over some like sage wisdom spewing yoda like you know kind of you know been to the bottom and climb my way back up and now it's just all this i don't think i would enjoy watching that but god i love carolyn (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's great TV. We get this classic challenge, the immunity challenge. Uh, Do you have any strategies for this thing, Scott? The underwater cage challenge? There's got to be something. And I've come up with my own thing, but what do you got? You just going to go out there and do the same thing everybody else is doing? I mean, last season was insanity, right? We get this challenge and and I just got to say this before we dive back into this one. When Carson can 3D print a puzzle that has been done on the show, yes. we've got to get some, we've got to get some variety. We got to like, at least change yeah. the tree puzzle. Can we? We shouldn't. People shouldn't be. And good on Carson for for doing that. But at the beginning of this yeah. challenge, he says, "Oh, I practiced this, practiced this in my bathtub." <laughs> and Jeff believes him. I, Jeff's like, "Really? Yes. It's no way he didn't." <laughs> I, I I'm sure that Carson like 
you know those like little like things you can buy to set over your bathtub to set your computer on. Yeah, so he probably had a row of those wooden things and just like kept the water on, just like figuring it figuring out, figuring it out. You know, yeah, slow drip. He's in there on cold, <laughs> so that he's getting used to the man. You could manufacture that whole thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. Future Survivor contestants. He's, he's, wow. he's going to Wet and Wild in Orlando, Florida, and getting in the wave pool, like just yeah, <laughs> just like barrage without <laughs> being able to get breaths in between. But you know, last season you've yeah. got you've got players who. I had never seen so many players dive down into the water and then slam themselves back up into the bars. Last season was they outlasted the tide, right? That was last season. Yeah. 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 We had multiple winners or whatever. Because, well, I mean, we can't sit here another 12 hours until the tide changes. Yeah. So, you know, I there's something to be said for that. I think Jam Jam won this thing because he was constantly moving. I think that would be keeping them warmer. I think, yeah. And I think that's what I take from this challenge is that I think a lot of people might have missed it. It's just like Jam Jam was kicking very early and was just keeping his mm -hmm. body kind of moving and getting his body into like when you're kicking like that, you can kind of feel when the when the tide is coming in. You can kind of feel when those yeah, swells smart. are going to be coming. So you know when to prepare because it's all about when you take your breath, right? I imagine. Mm -hmm. If you're locked up onto the thing and you're just like, holding on there for dear life you're less likely to i guess understand the motion uh that is coming your way and the timing of your breaths and i think that might have won it for jam jam like the fact that he was moving constantly staying warmer staying in contact his body was staying in contact with kind of what was happening around him a little bit more so and i noticed something else too is that his chin was tilted way far back because it looked like the waves were coming under their neck and up over into their face mm -hmm. So I think by him getting his chin up as high as he could, even though it dipped his nose underwater, it, the waves were hitting him there instead of coming right over his mouth hole. I have written here, like one of the number one best ways to be successful at this challenge is have like a super skinny face. <laughs> you can't change that on the island. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't I mean, print that. that. <laughs> did, did you ever have to do this challenge? I never have. I would l really love to. I actually am a water guy, so I would love to see how I would fare here. And my strategy, honestly, would be when the tide starts coming over your face and you can no longer get clean breaths at will, they're like, come and go. I would get a nice big breath when I can. And then I'd go underwater and hold my breath and look at everybody else and see where everybody else was. And then I wouldn't make it an emergency to come up uh, and have to get a breath right then. But I think I would dive down. I think it's more comfortable to hold your breath with a little more room and look around a little bit and then come back up again. But maybe that would be too much. Yeah, and that would also prevent like, like Danny went down and came up and like, was looking around like he thought he won. And there was a yes. number of people who did that this year. Um, but last year it was, or last season, it was, it was very much that kind of big breath, go to under, and then just get yourself back up into a position, you know, reposition and everything. And I think that's the way to do it. But yeah, oof, I don't know if I could hack this. I don't know no. if I could hack that challenge, man. I'm from Nebraska. You think the ocean? I hate both of them. Atlantic, Pacific. I, I, it doesn't matter what side of the country I go to. I'm just never been a, you know, uh, no, I, in all honesty, it's just like that kind of thing that, that's just being locked in that small of a space yeah. in this, claustrophobic. Yeah, that is just, 
I don't know. I don't know if that's one thing I know I wouldn't be good at. The other thing would be like anything to do with like foot balance. So I'm really, I'm not built to perform well in challenges on survival. Yeah, you're going to have a rough time. No, you just rely more on your social game. Yeah, sure. You're going to be fine. <laughs> I can understand how it's claustrophobic and, and everything like that. For me, as long as there's a clean way out, then I'm good. So like I know that I can dip and be gone and, and I'm free. It's like uh, whenever I had to get a CAT scan on my shoulder that I tore on Survivor and they put you in that CAT scan tube. Mm -hmm. And that is very claustrophobic for me. And I finally had to convince myself that if I needed to, I could punch my way out of the CAT scan machine. And so it's fine to be claustrophobic in that moment, knowing that worst case scenario, I'll just punch my way out of the thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it didn't come to that though. Yeah. But we did have to attempt three times. And finally, the nurse would not listen to me tell her to get me out. She was like, no, you're fine. I was like, I got to get out of here. She's like, you're fine. I was like, no. And she's like, just start breathing. You keep your eyes closed. Just breathe in and out and imagine. And I was like, okay, we're here. So maybe there is something to uh, this little circle thing they had going on earlier in the episode. Maybe. Jam 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 apparently really bought in. He was able to do he it. He really did. Is this good? <laughs> was this good for, I mean, this, in hindsight, this is definitely good. But part of me was like, if with Jam Jam winning this, isn't now Tika an even more overwhelming threat? Like, shouldn't that be more obvious to the rest of the contestants? Yeah, but what can they do about it at this point? It's 3v3. And yeah. I look at, if I'm Carson, better to dance with the devils you know, he thinks he can sell why he beats Car you know, both Jam Jam and Carolyn. Jam Jam, mm -hmm. you know, I'd love Jam Jam's confidence in my life, man. He really does believe that he could he could beat both Carson and Carolyn. I really think in my mind. So it's like, who do they slot? Do you think in? he can't? Um, man. No, I think he can because, you know, he he's won a challenge now. His social game has been such that he's gotten votes, but he's always worked his way out of it. And he's aware, he's aware of his accomplishments, whereas Carolyn seems to be less aware of her own worth in the game at, at points. Now, the thing with Carolyn is she wants to, I think, keep Tika with her because I don't think she's even looking at the other three as contestants at the end. I think she's like, this is our three. And everything that yeah. she said she wanted to do has come to fruition. She wanted the big muscle guy alliance that Danny and you know, Brandon, like we're talking pre-merge about, oh, we got to just get all the strength together so we can protect ourselves. She was like, this is annoying. And she got, yeah. she got rid of him. She wanted Danny yeah. gone. She got rid of him. She wanted to play her idol in it in a her heroic way. She did it. You know, it's like, I think Carolyn thinks she's maybe in an okay position as long as she's with the two of them. So I don't know who any of the three of them want to slot in. Now, Jam Jam might be the one that's super smart enough to be like, all right, we got to get we got to make some changes here. But at this point, like, honestly, if I'm any of the three of them, who do you want to slot in? You know? Well, you're looking at, and this is the preview for next week's episode, we do get a little blurb of Jam Jam and Carolyn talking about potentially targeting Carson. I think Carolyn's going to have a hard time doing that. Jam Jam, definitely not. And when I look at those three, and you go with like the winner, the historic winner's edit, Carolyn hasn't made huge blunders socially, really. Or we, they, she hasn't, whatever, the edit hasn't made us see those. Carson hasn't really either. 
But Jam Jam has bef- definitely gotten caught out emotionally a number of times. And so for me, that would be the only telling sign where I'm like, uh, Jam Jam doesn't look as masterful to us socially as maybe these other two do. And he definitely has stumbled along the way a little bit versus the other two. Riley, you're the uh, the edit expert. Well, I just got? think that the edit, it's so much different now than it used to be. Like, yeah. I, I would have said previously, yes, like there have been some episodes where Jam Jam has kind of face planted and they don't normally do that with their winners. They want the audience to really respect the winner at the end. So you kind of make that person look good throughout. And that used to be the easiest way of reading the tea leaves. It's like who kind of got their way. And then if they did actually make a mistake in the game, like, does the edit go out of the way out of its way to like lessen that blow a little bit? That was usually like a good sign, but that is just not like that anymore. You know, I think Jam Jam can mess up and still win. Um, I think Carolyn probably has the best edit of all of the Tikas though. Yeah. Better than Carson. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell because she's such a big character too. So she would be getting like a huge edit no matter what. Um, but I think that, we also get so much of her like running through different scenarios and calling things out correctly that it, it feels like she's very impressive. And that's like, that's both, you know, uh, a testament to her gameplay and also the edit kind of pushing back on like, oh, is she like the, you know, crazy person who doesn't know what's going on? And it's like, no, it's not. She's smart and she's here to play and she's doing really well. Yeah. I've, I've never been, I know a ton of fans dive into the edits on, who they think is getting the strongest edit, who they think is. And I think the edits have evolved over time, just to Riley's point just now. It's like, they can definitely still have you. Anybody who's prognosticating that through the edit, you can figure out who's winning every season is, they're just, it's not. It's not, <laughs> it's not how it is. It's not how it is. And it, we've talked a lot about like the new era and things that they've changed and things they've done right and wrong. But one of the things I think they've done really right is the way that they edit the show now. Because it did used to be not necessarily every season, but you could at least figure out, hey, these people have no chance, you know, whatever. And now, after the last three seasons going into this one, it's like, hey, really anyone can win. And, uh, you know, there, there was a period of time where it's like you couldn't help but read the edit once you kind of knew how. And it's sort of like, it's like, ah, I wish I could unknow that. Well, now, now we're actually getting that. Like, I don't know. Any of these players could win. I wouldn't be completely shocked if the last few winners we've had. Yeah. But they're yeah. also keeping so much back from us, I feel like now. I feel like we have more held back from us as the viewer, uh, which is, you know, it bums me out a little bit. And, you know, the other thing is like, I just watch the game and, and try to like root for the people that I think have, you know, maybe played the best game. And this goes back to, you know, the first, bur- like the first vote right at like merge situation before the merge was official when Matt went home. If I look at this season, for me, I think Carson has played a really fantastic game. I yeah. think he got shuffled off of a tribe that he worked hard to get himself into good partnerships on. He ended up on a tribe with, you know, two complete wild cards and somehow has rallied them to to break down these larger tribes that they ended up in the merge with. But as Matt said, you when you watch the show, you want to believe that the best player wins, but that's just not the case anymore. There's just way too much RNG in this survivor this season. Uh, these past seasons. I mean, when you win immunity going into the merge and then you lose the only actual, like, honest economy that you have in your vote 
to secure your alliance going forward. I mean, Franny won, but lost her strongest ally, lost her vote, along with six other or five other people. You're taking votes away from people in, in a game where the only currency is voting. Like, so, you know, it's just, it's a little bit frustrating. And I think they try to smooth some of that over with like the edit and stuff nowadays too, which, which means we're not getting necessarily winner's edits as much as we are trying to combat maybe, you know, the cast versus the producers instead of the cast versus the cast, right? So it's like, sure. you can tell the frustration in some of these players when they're out there on the island. You could feel it in Matt when he was giving his speech as he was leaving the island. It's like, this this was not a fun way to go home. Like, yeah. if you get blindsided, you get taken out, like you lose in spectacular fashion, like that's a fun way to go home. You lose because only four people out of 11 people on the island have votes and you just so happen to be the one guy that didn't bring his shot in the dark die. Like, that's that's tough, you know? So, I don't know. The edit for me, like, hasn't ever really been my whole thing. But, uh, but you know, I wish... Hearing you say that Carson really hasn't had the winner's edit, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> for me, it's like, you know, I feel like Carson's played so, so well. I'd like to see someone like him like actually pull it out in the end instead of somebody making one big move at the end, you know, kind of being the way it happens. I mean, he's, he certainly could win. He definitely could. We'll see. I, I, I think also the audience is not fully aligned with the old editing style or the new editing. I think there's mixtures of both that people love, like being left in the dark for some things and some people love it. Like some people love getting blindsided as a viewer on TV. And like right. definitely when you watch uh, a thrilling movie, that's the whole point of it is like, can I figure it out before they show me the answer? And so I think there are those personalities or those type of viewers who love this. And then there's the type of viewers who are like, I'm watching a reality TV show where I want to play God, essentially, in seeing all of it <laughs> unfold, me knowing what's going to happen and the consequences that they will now face because of their choices. And I don't know which is right or wrong. I think that it just depends on the viewer as to which one they prefer. I prefer being God, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> I like to know all the things that are happening. I like to see all the conversations. I like to be in the know. I like to have a good idea of who's being targeted and why. But I know other people are not like that. So uh, they are doing a good job of switching it up and keeping it fresh. And uh, I know that some people love it and I can understand why they do. Yeah, for me, I just, I, I think people who, I, I've always wanted to, to be able to compete on Survivor. And do you have you met Jeff Probst before? <laughs> I have. Do we need to, who do we need to call? No, I have, and I have, I have an idol that he, he got Mike White on there. You can't. He's not putting you on there. I I went down there actually for Game Changers and did CBS's EPK. I led the EPK, the Electronic Press Kit, for okay. CBS. They wanted somebody from their scripted side to go down and and take part. So I was on a show called Scorpion at the time, and I went down to Fiji and I got to interview everybody from you know Debbie to. Malcolm, you know, Ozzy, I mean, yeah. And it was really cool as a fan of the game to be down there and to interview each of them. I was doing their interviews before they headed into the into the game. Sandra, and I mean, it was just it was awesome. But uh Jeff, uh I did a like a 20-minute interview with Jeff where I I asked him a bunch of questions and you can find it on YouTube or whatever, but he gave me an idol at the end of it. And on the back there's a piece of parchment that says you are invited to come back and join us anytime as a member of our press team or as a player. So 
I could, I could, I oh, guess. Uh, open invite. Yeah, open invite. Cash that in. I, uh, maybe I should. But uh, yeah. But what I was going to say is, as somebody who wants to play the game like that, like I think you want to be God when you're watching because you you do want all the information because I think like as a player, you would want all that information. Yes. And as a movie watcher, there's nothing I hate more than the big reveal in a film being some character we've never met before. And that, that to me is, is just poor storytelling. So sometimes when I see like the vote at the end of this episode, that it really didn't matter. The hero that they built up like really didn't matter. I mean, this whole episode was about Carolyn figuring this thing out with Carson, coming to his rescue, doing the whole thing. But at the end of the day, Danny still got three votes and Lauren yeah. and Jamie voted with them. So it's like, to me, I was like, I don't know. Is that exciting? Or is that just a little bit? It was a teeny bit anticlimactic. Yeah. It was still impressive in the way that Carolyn sniffed it out yes 100 and shifted it had she not had that read and fought for that would it have been carson at this point probably so yeah there's still something to it and i want to talk about that like danny gets everybody on board with carson and it seems fine and it's a very good sell what went wrong for danny because the whole afternoon it just seemed like it just started to unravel man it really boils down to who spoke to Lauren and Jamie. And and I don't I don't know who did it. I don't know who who spoke up. But yeah, you know, at this point, Danny is kind of they're really worried about his idol. They keep on saying they're so worried about his idol. That's coming from everybody. Everybody's just so worried that Danny has an idol. And maybe that was what did it, right? We yeah. have to put pressure on Danny and Heidi. We think they have an idol. We've got to flush it. And it came down to nobody expecting Carolyn to <laughs> to have one, right? Tika's right. dead in the water. There's no way Tika has an idol. People have said that throughout the course of the season. Like the Tika idol's just gone, right? Like the Tika idol, yeah. nobody has it there, right? Jamie's idol got flushed. So they think now like Danny's maybe the only big threat who still has an idol. So maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, that's as I was trying to piece it out, like maybe that was like the big sell, like just the specter of him or Heidi, like one of the two of them having an idol or, you know, needing to separate those, that, that partnership. Cause everybody knew that Heidi and Danny were each other's number one or so you thought, you know, but um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. And I think that's because basically when you're getting this close to the end, you have to take out the people who you really truly believe have the best shot of winning the game. That means getting through this final like week of play plus having a good enough story at the end to tell and to win jury votes. And so whatever sales pitch was uh, delivered to them, they believed m more so that Danny would beat them in the end if they made it to the end with Danny than anybody from Tika. And that's really the only pitch. Like, that's the pitch you take. That's the pitch I'm taking to anybody to get rid of someone like Danny if I'm on the opposite side. Yeah, I guess when I watch it, I go, man, if I'm playing the game, I want, I want the person out who could prevent me from getting to the end. And Carson has shown himself to be, be a force. I mean, uh, Jamie said it herself. She goes, he is just incredible at puzzles. And we know that when we get down to the final six, final five, final four, like puzzles are going to be important. Like, yeah. you know, 
it's just it it was surprising to me that it flipped onto Danny because I I didn't see Danny as being a bigger obstacle to me making it to the end than Carson could be. Uh, right. or a piece of that Tika 3 could be. Like if the Tika 3 stays together, well then you really have no shot to get to the end if 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 we vote Danny off now and we are assuming that they're gonna be strong. So I don't know. I I, I kind of flip it on its side and say who's gonna prevent me? Like who who's gonna beat me there is 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 one thing who's going to get there first, you know, as long as I'm in the three, if I can get more votes than them at the end, that's fine. But who's going to prevent me from getting to the final three? And I just felt like Carson is still that guy. And I, and I, yeah, I thought Jamie and Lauren were realizing that, but any which way. Yeah. I'm not sure how it flipped on Danny. I mean, there's so many sales pitches that could have happened. It could have been, you know, Carolyn going to both of them being like, we're final three. I don't care about jam jam. I don't care about Carson. That's the pitch Uh, you have to give like in conjunction with, Danny's someone we can't beat in the end. And we're also making a final pact here with us. And there's probably a hundred different ways that these three have promised, or that this entire group of seven has promised to be fine, final three with each right. other. Which we haven't really seen a lot of. We haven't seen a ton of it on air. So that's because it happens uh, like every single conversation you have <laughs> with everybody is like promising them a spot in the final. You know, yeah. like it's just like you have, it's just like you have to, like you, the second somebody says it, you have to do it. I think for Danny too, what went wrong was he just started telling people what to do and everybody, I think that was bad. Like you can't go to somebody and be like, hey, here's what we're doing. We're going to, uh, we're going to vote out Carson and then we're just going to shop around that we're going to split the votes on Lauren and Jamie. And he just did that. Like he, without, any like you have to treat it like a democracy out there and you have to go and say we value your input you know it's like voting we value your input tell us what you tell us what you think and then they throw the vote in the garbage can or whatever they do yeah the the art of suggestion is not strong with danny yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really think that that's what caught him out here like he did not take anybody's input he just said what he wanted to do and people thought it was okay that were with him but the people that were questioning whether or not they should be with him decided they did not want to be with him and we do get that sequence of jamie and lauren at the well washing their hair and they are debating like do we vote carson or danny so you know that they are having conversations with each other and measuring which way to go and i want to touch on something here because I don't know how it is now, but we got reamed for using the fresh water from the well, for using it to clean anything <laughs> on our bodies. We had the whole cast got sat down. We had a producer come out and say, that is purely for drinking. If you are using it to wash your hair or anything else, we will just stop giving it to you and you'll have to boil your own water and get it for yourselves. <laughs> wow. So the fact that they're out there just washing their hair, having a great time, splashing around in fresh water. Come on. Well, it's it's give and take, right? They took they took food away. It's a shorter, faster game. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? But it washing your hair is okay as long as it's once every like four days. Right? Yeah. You know, you yeah. do it more than that, then yeah. We're- well, I think the problem was is that it was right at the start of the game. So it was a tribe of ten. So five women and a couple guys were going to the well every day 
and dumping bucket loads of fresh water on their head. <laughs> and production was having to then carry in water by hand to fill that up at night when we're asleep. So the I think production was just like, we're not bringing in truckloads of water every day so you guys can rinse your hair out. This is not part of my job description. Made me really jealous that they were able to do that. I am not the crystal geyser guy. Like, get me? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. As we're leading into tribal, we get Jamie laughing hysterically to herself and so giddy and having so much fun and telling us how much she just says, I love this game so much. That's the quote. And all I can think of is she's gone. The misdirect is the Carson thing mixed with the Carolyn to Danny thing. And we're getting just a hint of Jamie getting voted out. And I'm like, finally, because there's been four or five instances of Jamie on her high horse uh, proclaiming how great she is at this game and giggling like to herself about how much better she is at this game. And she's still she's still with us. What is going on? <laughs> Do you love this edit or? <laughs> I'm going to let Riley take this one. <laughs> You're going to let Riley take this one? Riley, how do you feel about this? They keep set like, it's like the tease and then the sl slow down. And then you're like, here it comes. And then it's not. I don't know. I kind of like Jamie. I feel like I, I wish I could be in the room with her when she's watching back some of these episodes. So like, uh, I bet we could get invited to a watch party. Yeah, when she finds out her her idol is fake, or uh, you know, when Kitten went home with it, but then it, but you know, then it's fake, and so I don't know. I uh, I feel like she's just like blissfully naive, like floating through the game of Survivor, and it's it's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is cute. I I like it. It's funny. I mean, look, I'm on record. I I I have picked her to be the vote out like four times and been wrong every time. Yeah, how could she not? And I think a part of me was just so strongly because she had the one idol that was active until the merch, right? And then yeah, she decided to not use that one, and she trashes it. And she keeps the fake one, which looks nothing like the one that she did have, which. I, not to say, because there's so many idols, fake idols, all that floating around nowadays. How can you know what is real and what isn't? But uh, I just wanted that classic moment of, Jeff, I'm playing this for myself. This is not a real idol. He throws it in the fire. I was, I, just, I wanted it so bad. So as a fan, I wanted that moment. 
And I feel like the editors have just been teasing us all, lo- all along. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamie makes Final Three like very easily here towards the end of the season after we thought she was going to go home so many times. But that, that's been a lot in this past yeah. couple of years of Survivor. You know, people who seem to like kind of be clueless about the game, if you're able to make one late game push, you are capable of winning the game. So I'm not counting anybody out. But yeah, no, I thought for sure Jamie was going home at some point. And now I've resigned myself to the fact that I think I think she's in it for the long haul. She's finalist. Okay, you heard it here first. Yeah, I don't know. She's really a, a threat to win. So I don't know if she'll... Like, I can't see the scenario where she's targeted, really. Like, oh, Jamie, I can sit next to her. That's fine. <laughs> There's the possible moment of, you know, when Kane went home with my idol and his, like, and somebody knowing what a fake idol looks like, because there are people over there now, like Danny, who knows what the fake idol looks like. Yeah. Kane shows him the fake idol. They're at the final tribal. She's in the three. She talks about, I, I earned two idols out here. I never had to use one. My, my real idol went home in Kane's sock, to which Danny goes, that, by the way, that was a fake idol. <laughs> like, yeah. You were duped. Somebody planted that. You were never really uh, in control of an idol that could have done anything or had any power in the game. That would be a fun moment at Final Tribal. But Yeah. You know. Oh, that definitely would be. For sure would be. Man, now you're talking... We're going to miss out so much on some of this fake idol stuff, which I have been on the record as saying I don't like that the fake idols are introduced by production. I love a fake idol, but the fact that production is making it so easy now for people to have these is a little weird, but we haven't even really got to see it play out. So maybe we need more fake idols so that we can at least get that moment a couple times a season. It, production just has to be watching these episodes just or or live getting like the live you know dailies in and going ah we put so much yeah. cool stuff in the game and none of it's working <laughs> you know it, it's just i i can only imagine them but you know when i was down there in fiji i mean a lot of the stuff that we're seeing sprout up now there was a whiteboard that was in jeff's uh abode and it had a lot of these crazy ideas written on it. And I was like, yeah. what is this What is this vision board that Jeff's got going on? It's, and it's him and the challenge team and the production team. And they just like spitball, man. And you know, yeah. a lot of the stuff I never thought would make it in the game. It's like, it's in the game now. It's all there. Yeah. Well, did you, you didn't hear my idea from last week. What? Uh, oh, candy wrappers, where you just hide the clues to all the advantages in places where it looks like contestants were trying to dispose of them. So you'd bump, you'd just like be in the sand in the beach and dig up a piece of parchment that says, congratulations, you found an idol, but it's all crumpled like somebody else found it and tossed it. Oh, yeah. Just mass paranoia, no advantages whatsoever in the game. Just the illusion that there's a thousand things in the game. I mean, I mean, at this point, might be welcome to not have any advantages in the game. But uh, but having everybody feel like there is would be yeah. be good TV. <laughs> it'd be good TV for sure. <laughs> so right before we get to tribal, Carolyn has so convinced herself that Carson is the target, which is like either it's like a masterful read from our perspective. Like we honestly, like you've said many times this episode, we don't know exactly the conversations that all took place there. So maybe it was more obvious to her, but from our perspective, it's masterful. And she's uh, tells Carson that she has an idol and she's thinking of playing it. Is this the moment to tell your Alliance member that you have an idol? Or should she have held, up, held on to it silently still until that last second? 
if you want it to be the big hero moment, you just you just wait and you play it for them. Yeah. If you know you're going to do it, if you're resigned as the player to play it for them, you play it in a way that has the most impact. Instead, telling Carson allows whatever happens and Jamie and Lauren flip their vote and now your idol has been played <laughs> poorly, I guess, mm. at that point. So, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, if you if you get a sense that it's Carson, you tell Carson, I think I think they've turned on you and I'm letting you know this and what can we do? And then if it looks like all avenues are blocked, then then you tell him, yeah, I'm going to play the idol for you tonight. Just don't panic. We're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, because you don't want him to flip on you, I suppose. But Carolyn just right. kind of told him straight out of the gate is kind of what it feels like. She's like, I yeah. feel like they've turned on you and I have an idol and I'm going to play it for you. So let's just, you know. But that gave Carson, a great player, a chance to maybe do some work to make sure that the, the damage that does to him possibly winning the game is lessened. I wasn't saved yeah. by anybody. You might have played yeah. an idol, but I didn't work. didn't save me. I The votes were in my favor anyway. So. Yeah, that's true. I've always been of the uh, belief that if you have an idol that you've kept secret, you have to tell your closest alliance members you're going to play it before you play it. Because if you don't, now they have reason to mistrust you. They're like, oh, you didn't trust me enough to share the idol with me. I don't know how powerful that is or isn't. But in this situation here with Carolyn and with Carolyn admitting that it's the one from Tika from two weeks ago that she found, then it doesn't matter whether or not she's telling Carson now or whether or not she ta tells him about it after tribal council. So if she's going to, because my belief is like, Scott, I have an idol. I'm going to play it tonight. I could have found it two weeks ago, but I could be like, I found it this morning, just in the nick of time for me to play it. Like, I'm lying to you about when I found it, so you continue to trust me. Right. I'm not saying I found it two weeks ago. So if she's going to do that anyways, then there's really no reason, I think, maybe to uh, approach it more like you had described. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's it seems in modern Survivor that like the the big surprise idol carries a lot of worth. I mean, Marianne, you know, like that. Yeah, that carried her, you know. And so I I just think that there is there's a recalibration, right, that has to happen with everybody as they're playing. And I know that not all the contestants have seen the other seasons, you know, as they're out there filming their own. But uh, but yeah, it just seems like big surprise idol moves are like. I mean, they're so rare nowadays that I would be more apt to just hold it and play it and then smooth things over afterwards. Say, look, I, I just really caught a whiff that it was you and I, I didn't want you to go home. So, you know. I'm picturing now that you've said all of this, how a final three tribal council would go on a candy wrapper season <laughs> where I get up, I'm like, I know there's advantages out here. I didn't get one. I got to the end without a single advantage. And then the next person's like, I didn't also have any advantages. <laughs> I know they're out there. I found all the clues that other people discarded. I like and it, it, even to the point where maybe the jury's even like, we didn't even we have didn't, any who either. Had them? What the? <laughs> who had them? All the pre-jury people had them? Oh uh, my gosh, that's going to be a beautiful be moment. Fun. I hope I haven't hyped it so much that now everybody's listened to it. So then when it does happen in the future, it's not going to be as exciting as it would have been. <laughs> I should have just called somebody at Survivor straight away with this idea. We go to tribal council and it's a 
I think, a very good tribal council. It's uh, it's long, but Jeff gets into some real stuff here. And uh, I think, like, you know, we have the main ideas of, like, it's the game shifts every single day. So your alliance is always shifting. You always have to pay attention. And the real thing that stood out to me here first early in tribal council was Heidi, because Jeff is like, you got to take a risk. Nowadays, you got to take risks. And Heidi's like, yeah, but you got to choose when to take that risk so that it doesn't backfire. And that's always the goal. I don't think anybody's going out playing Survivor like, I'm not going to take any risks. It's just you get out there and you're like, ooh, this could blow up in my face. Is now the t-? like, so I thought that was very poignant. And I don't think that uh, the audience really always, always fully thinks of that because we learn of this game and we're trying to play it full tilt boogie because that's the way that it's always been played, you know? Yeah. And so for Heidi to be like, yeah, that's all well and good, but a risk at the wrong time is going to blow up in your face. What amount of risks do we need to take? And like, what, what is the balance there? Because if you play it too safe, you get to the end, but nothing, none of your game has been exposed enough for people to really uh, latch on to it and give you votes. But if you play too risky, then you get caught out. Yeah, you know, I think it circles back around to the prior question about Carolyn with the idol and when do you tell your alliance? Like, Carolyn didn't have to play the idol. Like, her biggest risk there is losing her idol and now becoming a bigger target because she's played an idol for another contestant. That's the risk assessment that should have been done uh, do I really need to play it? And she didn't have to. And so Heidi's right. But Heidi was one vote away from from going home tonight with an idol in her pocket. So at some point, I mean, she was right. And that's what I was really yeah. proud about with Carolyn is, is somebody who is portrayed as Carolyn is on this show to be flighty, to be so instinctual. For her to hold that idol for as long as she did and not just play it like it, in a moment like of, of a fit of nerves um, was really pretty impressive the whole way through. And I think that's why it was so disappointing here that she she made the move here. But the risk of losing the idol and now being vulnerable to be voted out, I think is much more favorable in the jury's eyes than Heidi almost going home with an idol in her pocket. So, yeah, you know, you can't be overly cautious. And I think Heidi has played a very, very cautious game, but, you know, time is coming rapidly that she's she's going to use this thing but is it going to be remembered or is it just going to kind of be yeah, like a forgotten side note of oh yeah Heidi had an idol yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's uh, that is interesting and that's true uh, let's go back to Carolyn's idol play for a second here because had she not played it and things not worked in her favor and maybe Carson goes home how bad is that for her anyways not really bad Carson's a huge threat Carson yeah. comes Would home. you rather have an idol in your pocket or Carson by your side? I'd rather have an idol in my pocket. I would. <laughs> but Carolyn would much have it, rather have Carson by her side. And I think that's like yeah. really important to remember too, is that I think she very much is depending on this like brother-sister relationship between her and Jam Jam. And then this like, I don't know. I don't know how she views Carson, but um, they're definitely really tight for more than just like a game experience. It feels like it's more like actual honest connection you know yeah and i don't know if it's yeah. mother son i don't know what that is you know but their connection is is real for her so yeah she would rather have carson me as a player i'd rather 
I'd rather have a big threat go home and he still have an idol in my pocket. He's looking at Final Four as like a guarantee. If we're looking at, oh, what could happen next week and we see Jam Jam and Carolyn talking about actually maybe getting rid of Carson, then she just wasted an idol completely. Like then it's like, yeah. okay. And if you're having that conversation about not being able to beat Carson in the end, then this would have been the perfect opportunity to say goodbye to someone who you promised your loyalty to. You have no blood on your hands. You get to say ciao. Get them on and the jury. They're going to be on the jury rooting you on because now you're the underdog. Yeah. I, uh, so for me, it's just, you know, unless you know how you beat the person you're saving, right? Yeah. Unless you know that you can beat Carson in final three, you can't, you can't save Carson. Right. Cause it's like we talked about earlier. Who is, who is doing the most to prevent me from winning this game? It doesn't matter who gets there to the end with me as long as I, I, I think I can beat them. But with this, this situation with Carson, I don't think Carolyn has a clear game plan for how she can explain. Now, I mean, they could take the angle of, wow, you know, Carson wasn't, you know, he was cast off. We could have voted him off when we wanted to, but we, we chose to protect him instead of Josh. And we chose to move forward with, with him instead of this other player. And we really took care of him, mama bird, like whatever the situation is. But I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's been formulated yet in, in the head. So, you know, it was, yeah, that's why. And Carson can easily take that and say, I did it all on my own. Like yeah. you acting in that way was because I manipulated you to, to do, to do that. Exactly. Which that's, like, a, that's a bummer for my girl. It's a bummer for my girl, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't look bad on TV and that's why part of me is like, there's a lot of hope still for Carolyn. Yeah. Is that it could have been spun so much differently and there are so many more aspects they could have shown that could have put it in a different light than it was. And it didn't look like a huge blunder. Yeah. Uh, whether or not it was, I, we will see in the next two episodes for sure. But in this moment, at the end of this episode, it did not seem like it was. If anything, they spun it like she was triumphant. Yeah. They they completely yeah. did. That's why I was they so did. like mis the misdirection. I had to go back and right. count the votes again. Yeah. <laughs> the misdirection of this episode, as far as that idol play went, was was high. That was that was very well done by the editing team because it really did make Carolyn seem triumphant. But even as she's walking out of tri, like she's like pumping her, she's like kicking at Danny as he's walking out. She's like, you know, those those arms are flailing. She's all excited. Yeah. And I don't even know if it registered with her that like, holy shit, I didn't. Oh, I didn't need to play it. Yeah, uh, I wasted it. So that now I got to find know, another one. That's a bummer. Yeah. And that's exactly like I looked at it and I was like, no, but wait, wait Carson didn't have the majority. Let me count because I write down every vote as it happens. I'm like, oh, yeah, that wasn't needed, but yeah. whatever. It was a nice thought. And maybe I think those conversations she had definitely moved it into Danny's direction, but she could have done it without the idol. We get Carolyn at Tribal Council talking about never sleeping and second guessing and paying attention to everybody everybody at Tribal Council. And then they're meditating one second and then and praising each other. And then their next Tribal Council, everything's different. Is that the modern era of Survivor? Has it always been that way? She's the only one telling the truth. She's the only one yeah. out there, like, honestly telling the truth. Like, Danny's whole, like, yeah, I got my process. Oh, you know, this is a first-time fighter. Like, that that cockiness, that arrogance, that's why Danny's now on the jury. She's the only yeah. one telling the truth. Like, like, no, that's how you guys want to sell it. 
But that's not what it is. Because what it is, is yeah, we're all together sharing. We're like a family. We're depending on each other. And then the next day, everybody is scrambling and everybody's lying to each other. It's all one big lie. So stop trying to package this as though it's like some like, this is the most amazing survivor experience that anybody has ever had because no matter who wins, we all love each other so much. Bullshit. If that, if it was real, then like we'd just be like drawing straws to see who goes home. We wouldn't be scrambling yeah. to see who's getting voted out. And I really appreciated that. And then Lauren calls her out and she gives Lauren yes. the look. And then Jeff yeah. says, if you could get some sleep, and <laughs> the look she gives, there's one word I cannot say to my wife. Never ever in a million years can i can i say the word relax anywhere around <laughs> my wife okay that look i've seen that look and jeff saying you know <laughs> if you just got some sleep carolyn maybe in that look uh every any you know anybody in a long term relationship i think understands like that but it's usually reserved for the person in the relationship with you carolyn will give it to anybody <laughs> like yeah and the fact that she gave it to jeff tickled me so much I was laughing my ass off. It was awesome. It was really funny. I the second Jeff said rarely that. Because really does Jeff step in it. He rarely steps in it, but he kind of stepped in it. He stepped in it. In it. <laughs> yeah. He definitely stepped in it. And I thought the second it came out of his mouth, I was like, ooh, not good. And uh Riley, who's not married yet, this is a lesson for you, Riley. Uh-huh. Never tell your significant other that maybe if she got some sleep or maybe like that's or relapse. Like those are not things that you say because they're going to come up with a thousand different reasons why they can't relapse, and it's all going to be because of you. For some <laughs> re- some so in some roundabout way, it's all because of you, which I also don't disagree with. Like, and to be fair, Jeff is the boss of this show, so the reason that Carolyn is not getting any sleep and <laughs> cannot relax is because of this thing Jeff has created that she is now a part of. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It was just such a good moment. But that's what I love about Carolyn. Is she she does tell the honest truth no matter what the situation is. Like, this is it. This is how I feel. And I'm just going to share that. Do I think it wins you Survivor? I don't know. But do I love watching it? Hell yeah. And I think people ask me about being on Survivor a lot. Like, how do I get on? What do I do? How do I talk to producers? How do I talk to the casting? And I tell them, number one is be honest to a fault. You don't have to be that in front of other contestants' faces while you're in gameplay, but to a camera and a confessional, you definitely need to. And they can see that and they can sense that. And those are the people they want on the show because that person who's being that honest and open is a lot of times what the audience is is thinking anyway. So if you can be the person to articulate what the audience is probably feeling in that moment because you're feeling it too, that's the person they want on the show. Yeah. And I think Carolyn doesn't have to be that honest in front of the other cast members, but she is. And that's just an added bonus for us. She's definitely honest in the confessionals, but seeing her also be honest is refreshing. Uh, there is something that you root for in the person who's like being overly honest all the time. So would I like to be out there in the game with her as her uh, as one of her allies? I don't think so. I don't know that I could take it, but as a viewer, I love it. Yeah. I How mean, about you? I, I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a point where, I mean, you think you can beat Carolyn. I, I think most yeah. players out there on that island think that they can. 
So why wouldn't you want to be in an alliance with somebody that you think you can be? And you just kind of, you, you buckle up. You get on the roller coaster every, every you know, other day and you just go for the ride. And if you survive... Now, I will say this. If Carolyn and Jam Jam do get rid of Carson, it would be a shrewd move. And most people, well, I would think, would attribute it to Jam Jam. But if Jam Jam then leaves as well and Carolyn's the only remaining member of the Tika, three, you know, if she can see it clearly, that could be a pretty strong argument. Uh, you know, at final, if if I needed Carson to get rid of Danny, and then we no longer needed Carson, I mean, I've been waiting for that part of Carolyn to come out, and that's the wonderful thing about watching Carolyn is like yeah, you've the cutthroat. There have been moments of clarity that have been pretty astounding, like because she is sold as so goofy and so kooky and so out there, and uh, you know, wears her heart on her sleeve. But if there was a turn in these final last, few, you know, these couple episodes that are left, like that could be a really, really winning move. So it's, it's, I, there's still so much show left to see. And I'm, I'm super excited to see how it all, all wraps up. But yeah, I, I, I do agree with you there. But also we see these modern day blowouts from people winning in Erica, winning in a landslide. Like, and this is because partly you get someone on the jury who's very very upset at being voted out jam jam and in a sense <laughs> poisons the entire jury against you and there's nothing you can do in final tribal council to rectify that and jam jam could definitely be a person like that yeah i could see that happening 100% it's it's you know it's been interesting over the course of this show to watch how voting at final tribal happens, you know, pick a number one to 10 in the very first tribal, you know, the final tribal, right? Yeah. Who was that that did that? He was a blonde headed guy. What was his name? Uh, oh, I remember who you're talking about too. Uh, Greg? Was it Greg? Yes, it was yes, Greg. Greg. You know, Greg and pick a number one to 10 to like these really split, really argumentative final tribals amongst the jury. People yeah. would take up torches for their own and, and would fight or would pose questions in a way to try. And now it seems like it's more of like a group think, like it's almost kind of been decided before they even get there, right? Like it's yeah. it's like this this interesting thing. And I don't know if there's this, you know, this thought you've got the the echo chamber on social media that everybody is in a in a in, at the center of now. And, you know, there's a lot of like school now just goes around standardized testing. It's like just tell me the answer. And I and I wonder if like sometimes some people are going into final tribal going, just just tell me what the answer is. Just tell me who who to give a million dollars to. Cause I can't imagine that is a really easy decision. I mean, giving giving someone a million dollars over two other people has to be such a high human dilemma for the people that are actually making that decision. Casting My argument is the opposite. I don't care. It's not me. I'm not getting a million dollars. And I'm definitely not going to see any of the million dollars that I'm giving to these people if they have something that is clearly more noble, like head and shoulders, sure. But otherwise, and you still can't even be assured, like somebody saying they're donating to charity, that's a lie. I'm not going to buy you donating to charity <laughs> your thing. So that you can't use that as an argument. So unless there's something like that, I'm just giving the million dollars to the person that I like the most and I think will be the most change from the million dollars. I don't care about, but there's 
all reasons to vote for people like people, you know, best gameplay. Yeah, that definitely comes into it. And if there's somebody that's far in a head and shoulders, the best game player and I but I'm voting friendship over gameplay. If I have a friend that's out there that I've been fighting for the whole time and then all of a sudden they're there and I'm not, then they're getting my vote. And then there's also part of someone on the jury who does not want to be someone who doesn't vote for the winner. So they're like, well, I just wanted to like make sure I was voting for the winning side. Like, and you get people like that in real life too, who are like, well, I just think so-and-so is going to win. So may as well be part of the winning team, you know, like that's, there's so many factors and there's so many reasons and there's so many personal reasons that it's, yeah. I think that's what I was driving at is I would hope that everybody would go at it the way that you've just explained. Right. But that I, I have a fear that there are, the the number of people who are willing to just go with whoever is the winner uh, is maybe growing, and that's so they don't look stupid. That that yeah. that's what I I hope isn't happening. I hope people are still very very critically thinking about in game performance and how all these things it play out. And 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 you know, like Matt said, like I would have believed that the person who played the best game wins the game. Um, yeah, and so that's that's what I'm hold that's what I'm holding on to. Well, they. Also, now the jury has roundtables at Ponderosa where they discuss the game and who they're voting for and why they're voting for them. Wow. And they used to not do that. They used to keep us all separate. Uh, We could chat and talk about stuff, but the second we started talking about game and who was voting and who had a good game, they would shut the conversation down. Hey, guys, you know that we can't talk about that. And it worked pretty well. Uh, But now, but it's a hard job. Like, to have somebody there, you know, a handler always butting in while you're eating breakfast and trying to figure out who should win the game and posing your arguments for your person. Like, it gets tiring and tiresome. But I think if they did split those people up, you wouldn't have that bitter juror. But also, if you send someone to the jury ultra bitter and they turn the tides against you, it could also be classified as jury management like bad jury management. Like you sent Jam Jam home and he's so mad that he turned the other 12 (laughs) against you. Like that could be classified as poor jury management. So I don't know what the right or wrong answer is, but there's a lot at play. 12 angry Jam Jam. You don't want 12 (laughs) angry Jam Jam. (laughs) No, you do not. want that at all. (laughs) We get uh, Carson's like goodbye, like, Jeff has him do like a full goodbye. Like if it's your time, what did you learn from this? So now if Carson does get voted out in the future, is he going to get another goodbye? Does he have more to say about that? Like it, it, like I get it. Like it's a big misdirect for the audience because now you're still like, oh, maybe it is Carson. Maybe like, so you have to have that in there. But it was such like a kind of a beautiful touching goodbye about how much he loves the show and that he has learned to accept his quirks and all, and how happy everyone is for him, but that doesn't seem like that's going to hit as hard this next week when they when Jeff asked him the exact same question. Yeah, I mean, it, it it was interesting for me going down as a fan for Game Changers and being there for Tribal Council, uh, and I talked to Jeff prior to and then after Tribal, and I asked him how much he's debriefed on all of the action on the islands throughout the days leading up to Tribal. And he said he he gets broad strokes, but he does not want to know the inner workings or anything because he wants to allow the players to direct the conversation. So I think, you know, 
that moment kind of all led to him maybe soloing out Carson there at the end. You know, um, there was a lot with Carolyn going back and forth. Who's her main confidant? You know, I don't think he was going to ask Carolyn in that moment, but I think it was just the conversation. We don't see all of tribal as the viewer. We don't. There's yeah, so many hours, so much more that goes into it. So many more questions that happen. And Jeff is really intuitive with a lot of that stuff. And I think he very quickly realized, you know, this could be actually, this could be, you know, the Carson situation. But if Carolyn does stand up and, and, and take up for him, like how, do, how does that affect everyone? And I think Jeff is very aware of all of those moving pieces. So I think it was a very targeted question. I don't know that Jeff knew everything, all the inner workings. And I don't think he knew that Carolyn was going to play that idol or not. Yeah. I don't think you can plan for that, right? But uh, but I, I think he was the only player who really deserved to have that question asked of him, I guess, in that moment. So I, I was okay with it. But yeah, if Carson goes home, it's going to be a blindside. And I would imagine that his his going home would be a little bit different about, you know, this was awesome. Like Carson yeah. feels like that kind of guy to be like, they got me. And that's just really cool that, I went out in a spectacular fashion. If he gets sent home, it's going to be a blindside. And, yeah. and I don't think we'll get that soft of an insight. I think it'd be a little bit more of an excited Carson. So I like that moment. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I, I liked it too. I just, as I was watching, I was like, if he doesn't go home, then what's next for him when they ask him that? Mm. Uh, Riley, we're going to move into your superlatives real quick uh, before we shut this thing down. And okay. I want you to deliver them to us in your best De Niro impression. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> Come on. That is not going to happen. <laughs> Please, Riley. <laughs> Scott's going to do no, it. No, no, no. You were starting there. No. I, I, can't, I can't Greg Kinnear this thing. I can't Danny this thing. Okay. <laughs> that was really uh, bizarre, but the, the actual impression itself was, I don't know, not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing that killed me was that he went back to it in his outgoing confessional. Yeah, I was again. like, oh, they come must on. have asked him about it. They were like, hey, so you already did it. Like, do it yeah. once and then be done. But I, on a <laughs> s- scale of one to 10, how unimpressed was Jeff with it? I, Jeff was daring him to continue. And it was just, <laughs> it's again, <laughs> just Jeff. Being, but, but for the cringe moment, I think more yeah. so than the, like, I love this moment. Yeah, 100%. I feel like Jeff also has had a lot more pushback on the show. I feel like the students are getting a little bit more rowdy with the principal yeah. that is Jeff. And I, I wonder if you're Jeff after all this time and you're used to everybody listening to everything you say with no pushback. And now it's people don't want to answer my questions. People want to give me dirty looks. People want to do impressions of famous actors on the way out as I'm snuffing their torch. <laughs> like, what? what? Uh, okay. Okay. I think he's pushing back a little bit, which I think is hilarious to me. I love it. Yeah. That was funny. I did like how he was daring him to continue. Uh, what do we have for superlatives, uh, Riley? If you're not going to give them to us in De Niro, just give them to us in your own voice. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's run through them. All right. Best move of the episode. This is another one of these episodes where I have trouble picking a best move. I don't know about you guys. I honestly, I think Carolyn's smelling out that Carson was the target. 100%. I agree. Yeah. Just like having that read and being so convinced and knowing that it was Carson. I hope that we get a little context on the next episode, if it was her or how they figured out how to flip Lauren and Jamie and get, get those votes too. Because yeah. that, I think, is related to Carolyn figuring out that Carson was the target. Worst move of the episode. I mean, I think 
Danny's arrogance and just assuming everybody was going to go along with him. Yeah, I was I was exactly going to say that. Uh, anytime that you tell somebody the plan, you really put yourself in a, in a very precarious position. And I don't think him doubling down on like the fighter analogy and like this false like sense of confidence that I'm not getting knocked out tonight is like, it, it was his arrogance all the way through. Like he really yeah. all the way up through the end, you know? And I think that arrogance, it, it's, it bit him because, I mean, this has been brewing. Heidi was willing to flip on Danny because Danny's been kind of treating her like that for a little while. If he would have really honestly listened and had a strong partnership with Heidi, Heidi might have done for him what Carolyn did for Carson. So, right. Yeah. She easily could have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that that's the, the no brainer worst move. Favorite moment of the episode. <laughs> Scott, you got one? Uh, it was just it, my favorite moment of the episode was, was Jamie at tribal council. And it just, it just, because it just made me laugh so much. The vision that I've had. <laughs> the plan that we have laid out and it turned out to be true because she's yeah. on the on the majority but it was just such a Jamie moment and and it's it's almost gone from annoying to endearing for me like the Jamie of it all and I think her cackling going into tribal I think there's just such this I don't know there's this honest like she's kind of detached from the gameplay itself. And very rarely do you see a player who is able to do that. And I feel like Jamie, I don't know. I feel like she's able to do that sometimes. I, I, so that moment for me, just, I was laughing my butt off. That was, that was funny to me. It was either that or Carolyn staring down Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. She's detached, but she doesn't know she's detached. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that's why it tickles me so much. Cause I'm just like, it, it's just, she's a very unique player. Uh, and just to have stuck around this long and survived so many votes when her name was thrown out there a bunch. She had a fake yeah. idol and it was just, yeah. So that moment, or or Carolyn staring down Jeff, that, I definitely love that moment. I honestly love when right at the opening of the episode, Carolyn says to Jam Cham, I never would have done that to yeah. you. And he said, you have done that to me. And she goes, once. <laughs> <laughs> it was once. <laughs> I, I love that. It was just like so Carol. You should be over it already, she says. Yeah. Him, which I thought yeah. was great. <laughs> He's like, you should be over it. <laughs> There's a lot of really great jam jam. Like the the overall season, the, the jam jam Carolyn relationship is is it's just pure, man. It's like it's so interesting to watch these two people who go at it all the time, but like always circle back around to each other. And there's that moment on the beach where she's like, it just doesn't work like that in my head. And he goes, Can I? can I look inside? And he's like trying to zoom into yeah. her head. And it's just like, their rapport is such brother, sister. Like it's, it's really, it's been really been a refreshing kind of escape from, from gameplay, like throughout the course of the season. So that, that stuff has been so fun, but that's, they bicker like brother and sister. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a five and a seven year old and they, and do the this same. Is, they sound like my children, the two of them. That's exactly an argument that they would have. I would never do that to you. You did it to me yesterday. You're so wet. <laughs> like, it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. So it's so good. Uh, there was another Carolyn moment when Danny fed her the completely fake plan to like vote for Lauren or Jamie or whatever. And Carolyn was just like immediately like, okay, so is that the for real plan or the fake plan? And oh, yeah. Like that was also like every other player would have like, 
you know, just kind of been like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I'm with you 100%. Like, let's go. And then went back and they're like, hmm, I wonder if he was lying to me or not. And Carolyn, just so blunt, is like, I don't really believe you. <laughs> yeah. So good. And he doesn't even like just yeah. question anything. He's like, that's for real. And she's like, okay. Yep. Yeah, that was good. All right, let's do winter picks. Oh, man. So you, you, you pick a new winter pick every week? No, no, you get to choose whoever you want. Well, we, uh, we try to ride or die from beginning of the season, but like we're very bad at this game. Yeah, you pick a new winner <laughs> pick every week when they keep getting voted out every week, which is what happened to me earlier this season. Yeah. New Survivor makes this really tough, right? If Heidi plays her idol at the right time, she could have the big move to push her over the top. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 possible. If I if I'm going with who I think played the best game and I would love to see win, it would be Carson. But I think that really stacks the deck against him actually winning. And at some point, they kind of start to to stack that up. So, you know, the currency, the only currency left in the game that is advantage-wise is, is Heidi. And then does she play it right or, or not? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a winner comes from Tika 3. I think one of the Tikas takes it home. And I, I, I'm going to go with Carson. Because I think he's most aware of everything that's happened in the game. And if he can get himself there, if he can just get through it. And this is very reminiscent of Rob, you know, when he won his his season, he needed to win the last two immunities. He did. And he got himself into top. And that's that's all he needed. He needed to win that one. If Carson can win, the immunity when it matters most. I, I think I think he wins. So I guess right now I'd say Carson. Okay, so if we get some puzzles for these last few challenges. Oh, there'll be puzzles. Yeah. There'll be some puzzles. But there'll be like some balance and stuff too. I'm going to say Heidi for the reasons that Scott laid out before. Like it, I think Tika is now the threat for everybody. So Jamie, Lauren, and Heidi are looking at Tika as the threat. And if Heidi plays her idol to squash that threat out, now she's the favorite. Okay. I'm going to stick with Carolyn, who I've had for a few weeks and I think is still a very strong contender. I would love it. I would love it. I, I guess <laughs> I just have such a hard time because I don't think Heidi's played the greatest game. And I think we would be awarding an, another survivor a million dollars for holding on to their idol longest and making the latest move. Yeah. And then somehow be awarded, you know. Now, to give Heidi credit, I mean, she was starting fire in her tribe. She was keeping her her tribe fed, taken care of. I mean, she is strength embodied, you know. Um, but her gameplay hasn't been, she hasn't led votes, hasn't had any blindsides, hasn't really been in the majority on a lot of things. So the idea that if she plays her idol at the right moment and she wins, is it's very plausible but I don't like it. So because I don't like it, I just, I'm somebody who doesn't, I guess, vote with my brain. Uh, I vote with my heart instead. So I would love if Carolyn wins and I would, I would really, really be happy if Carson won. So stick with Carson on mine. All right. The last superlative is who is the next person going home? We know it's not Carson because they teased us that it would be Carson. But what if that's a fake tease? It could be a fake tease because they could be into that now. Uh, (laughs) Man, there's so much. I think it's uh I think it's gonna be Jam Jam. Ooh. Mm. What about you, Riley? Yeah, I kind of think Jam Jam as well. Uh because they, they sort of um 
they set up this episode that people think that he is the person they don't want to sit next to at the end. He's too well-liked. So he could be that, that pre-finale boot. I think that's probably very, very likely. But to play devil's advocate here, yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about Lauren being a threat. You've heard this come out of many people's mouths on the show, even this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, Lauren's a pretty big threat. Lauren's a, Lauren's a threat. And I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it was like next weekend's vote out was a very anticlimactic kind of vote, but really set us up for a, a phenomenal final five, right? If, if Lauren goes home, we are left with Carolyn, Jam Jam, Carson, Heidi with an idol, and then uh, Jamie, who <laughs> as detached as she is from like her reality in the game, like still could still could make some noise. So it's like that would be a pretty pretty phenomenal final five. I think I think Lauren could end up going home, like catching a stray this this next week. So I'm gonna go that way. Okay, I don't hate it. Okay, yeah, and I think I think this next vote like is going to determine whether or not our winner picks also are going to be those winner picks. Like it really, that's what it's going to come down to. Like yeah. is Tika coming out on top or are they not coming out on top? And that will then next yeah. week. There's a lot. Scott, you got any last uh, parting uh, thoughts that we didn't uh, discuss? No, I just, uh, you know, it's been interesting. I think I messaged you a few weeks ago. I was like, let's talk. I think it was right yes. after Matt went home. I was fired up. I went on a rant as somebody who's watched the show for so long. <laughs> and it was really about like the RNG of it all, of of the game, you know? And yeah. what yeah. I like about this episode and why I would put it up there with, with uh, you know, some of the best episodes of the season is because of the lack of the RNG. At this point now, there's two idols. We know who has them as the viewers. There's no more steal of oats or, you know, knowledge is power or we're going to split you into teams and half of you are going to lose your vote. Now it really is relationships and votes and that's it. Can you win immunity? Can you keep your alliance safe? That's it. And this is the survivor that I love. And I might be like an old man, like get off my lawn style saying I, I, I want some of that old survivor back, but I love this point in the game now. You know, final six, final seven, like that area where all that's left is your relationships and one timely idol play. Yeah. What does that look like? There's nowhere to hide. There's no one to hide behind. And there's no advantages to also hide behind. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. It was a it was a real pleasure chatting with you guys about the likewise. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Scott. And uh, I know people can follow you on social medias. Skittish Kid on uh, Instagram. Yep. Where else? You're on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter, at Scott Porter. But who knows now who's on Twitter any longer? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at Skittish Kid on Instagram. And, uh, and yeah, you'll see me around. Okay. Thank you again, Scott. It was uh, a pleasure. And we will definitely do this in the future if you're up for it. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next week, see ya.